Amen. It's good to see your faces here today. How many enjoying the, the cooler weather a little bit? Yeah? We got a little bit of a rain this morning. Some of you may have seen that this morning. And uh, I'm thankful for that. We're entering into a new season, the fall season, as it's beautifully decorated up here. How many love fall? How many love Thanksgiving? Yeah, I love Thanksgiving because we get to eat. We, we get to eat really good and uh, look forward to that day as well. Um, just want to remind you, those of you that didn't catch it last week, Mother Betty made an announcement that she's going to be relocating to Tracy to be with her mom, or with her, mom, with her daughters, excuse me, and they're going to be with their mom, and that's home for Mother Betty. Um, so Mother Betty, um, we're certainly looking, not looking forward to next week to um, wishing you uh, a, just a see you later, as you put it. It's not a goodbye, she said. Uh, hopefully we'll see her again in the future to come back and visit us, but uh, we want to also recognize her next week as well. So please come if you can make it to next week's service as well. And we're going to be praying for you, Mother Betty, and we're going to dismiss you with a, a great uh, joy here and with prayer. Amen? Amen. So uh, we're looking forward to that. It's also our potluck Sunday. We're bringing, uh, it's taco Sunday, so bring your meats. Bring whatever you guys want. Uh, we'll if you need to use the oven there, the stove, we, we can heat it up. We'll have some fixings, right? Um, so it's going to be a great day. We had initially had Pastor Justin Hardcastle as our speaker for next week. Uh, that's not going to work. He's going to come on no, November 12th, so in a couple of weeks. Uh, we've pushed that out. So November 12th, he'll be here. Uh, we'll still be uh, ministering next week, uh, so... Um, you can come back, um, and I'll be here, all right. Um, so it'll be a great Sunday next week, and before we go into the rest of our service, I just want to pray for those that have a need right now. How many know somebody that's ill or needs a touch in their body? Uh, I know I got a request this week from a family that lost a, a loved one, um, just they, they gave up on life, and a young person to top it off, and you know, that's just been too common in the last few years, especially since COVID. Depression and anxiety at our, at our all-time highs. And we need to pray for our young people, amen? We need to cover them with prayer. Uh, on uh, this past Thursday, I was at a pastor's meeting. It's, it was at 7, 7 till about 9.30 here in American Canyon. And we got together and we talked about the children and young people, how we need to pray for them. And it was really the burden of this one pastor here, uh, Brother Stan, Pastor Stan Williams, uh, I believe is his, not Williams, I knew I was going to blank on his last name. I call him Brother Stan, Pastor Stan, but he's a great man of God. He, he has a burden, and he wants to get other churches involved on how we can uh, do it in a tangible way of, of reaching out to young people at the schools and just knowing that in this stage or this age of confusion, whether it be identity confusion, gender confusion, different ways that the churches can be a resource to them. And so that's what we're working on right now. Just continue to pray uh, as you can for the young people that you know, the young people in our schools. They need to be covered with our prayers. Amen? So um, I invite you right now, let's just stand. Let's pray for those 
hands that were raised earlier, that you have a need. Uh, pray for the young people as well. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. Lord, what a great opportunity to be able to cast all our cares upon you. The Word of God says to cast all our cares. That means all our anxiety, all the issues of life. We give them to you, Father. Why do we need to carry them? We shouldn't. And we cast them upon you, Lord, whether they be for family members that are dealing with sickness, whether they be with families that have lost a loved one, a young child. I pray, God, that you would just bring peace and comfort to that family right now like only you can. Bring peace and, and gentleness and, and a loving arm around them as they go through this time of grief. Lord, for those hands that were lifted up, they need a touch in their bodies or they know someone that does. I pray, God, that you would bring healing to them, Lord. We ask you that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Well, I looked outside, and we're still in the book of Revelation. Okay, I checked outside today. We're still in the book of Revelation every day. Uh, I mean, it used to be funny to say, yeah, I woke up to see what chapter we're in. But it's not funny. How many know it's a serious matter that we look out there into our world and we see things going on, as always, um, in these last days? But my prayer today is that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is trying to tell us. How many know that there are signs? I, I want to talk to you today on a message, and I really, it was a message that Brother Ed preached, and it was called, Are You Prepared? He titled this, Are You Prepared? Some of you that heard this message probably eight years ago, I believe it was in 2015 when he shared this word, and I believe it was the last time he actually spoke in, in, in front of the church. He had a chance to speak at other uh, Bible studies, but in front of the church, he gave a great message, and it was titled, Are You Prepared? Now, the signs of the times are out there. How many know that? How many would agree that we can see signs out there? You don't have to be a student of prophecy or know the book of Revelation or know the book of Ezekiel to know that there are things going on in our world today that uh, are just not natural or not, they're just, something is happening. Something is happening. So just as a woman in labor has birth pains, and every woman said, yes, amen. We too will see and experience birth pains in our world. Jesus said this, before his return, you will see birth pains. The, the church will begin to experience birth pains. The world will see and travail and will have birth pains. I want to share a scripture to you today. It's in your outline, but the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, and we've got a lot of scriptures today. And I've got them on your outline. You may need a pair of glasses to read them because I really shrunk the font size down to fit them all on there. So beginning in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 3 through 14, and they'll be up on your screen for you as well. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, let me just stop there. I was there in Jerusalem, and when you're on the Mount of Olives, directly across is the, the Jerusalem where the temple was located it's where the golden dome of the rock is today. But it's directly across, you can see the beautiful site of the temple where the Mount of Olives is and where Jesus is sitting at this particular time. 
And the scripture says the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of this age? In verse 4, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then, everybody say then, you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, many will turn from the faith and will, dis will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Other translations say, those that endure until the end will be saved. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. While Jesus didn't cut and mince no words, right? He told it exactly how it was. He didn't mince words is what I'm trying to say. He told you straight up what was going to happen, what was, what was coming. Now, what Jesus is saying here, the disciples are asking about the signs of his coming. When he returns, as the church, we're waiting for an event called the rapture. How many are familiar with the rapture? It talks about that in First Thessalonians. We're waiting for his soon return. Almost everything has been, has been taken place, has taken place, for his return. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, or to, this afternoon. But let's keep this in mind as we read through these scriptures. In the Bible, in the Holy Bible, anytime you hear the word Jerusalem, it's described as the center of the earth. Everything revolved around Jerusalem, according to the Bible. And I'm going to show you why scripturally that's true. And, and why was that? It's because God's temple resided there. God's presence resided there with his chosen people. But I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 2, the book of Isaiah, starting in chapter 2, verse 1. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Let me say that again. And all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Amen. What the prophet Isaiah is declaring here is that all nations will stream to Jerusalem. All nations. This is why the Bible always described Jerusalem as the center of really the, the world. Every, everything revolving Scripture centers on Jerusalem and Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Now, are you following me so far? I'm trying to lay the, the groundwork here for more of the signs of the times. This is also describing how in the future all nations will come to worship the, the one God. Amen? That we will come to worship those that are left behind that are not raptured up. Okay? So now let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 32. I want to read for you here about signs here. Starting in verse 32, Jesus said, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. It's talking about the rapture here. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Verse 42, therefore, keep watch. Let me say that again. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. What that's telling us, church, is that the Lord could come today. He could come tomorrow. He can come next week. Now, do we know when he's coming? No, we just read the scriptures. The angels don't know. The Son of Man doesn't know. Only the Father in heaven knows. We can only guess by the signs that he leaves us we have a good indication of what's to come amen and and so the question i have for you today and the same question brother ed asked a few years back is are you prepared are you spiritually prepared because the lord wants you all to be aware he doesn't want you to to have his coming come at you like a thief in the night, and you had no idea, he wants you to be prepared because he is going to come like a thief in the night. He's going to come and he's going to take his people. But are you ready? Are you ready? And as believers of Jesus Christ, of Yeshua, we have signs all around us that tell us he is, his coming is near. And if you and I don't take the time to look at all the signs that are around us, we are no different than the example of the frog. What do I mean by that? Let's put the first slide up. Can we dim the lights? I want to, okay. Here it is. That could be you and I. This is actual, these are the actual slides that Brother Ed used, and I thought they were still applicable today. But this could be you and I. Just enjoying life, having the time of our life, living it up, 
oblivious to what's going on around us, having the time of our life. They say that you put a frog into warm water and then slowly turn that water, the heat up, to boiling. The frog will never leave. You'll just, he'll slowly cook himself to death. Because if you stuck him in boiling water, he's going to jump right out. Let's go to the next slide. And the frog goes, my, all things continue as before. Well, I'm good over here. Yeah, I understand there's, there's stuff going on in the Middle East. There's stuff going on, but I'm good over here in American Canyon. I'm good over here in Vallejo. I still got lights, electricity. I got two cars in the garage. I got a, I got a bank account. I got retirement even. I'm good. That's what the frog says. But the heat, the heat is rising. The heat is rising. Let's go to the next one. The fire is raging. The world is telling us and showing us the signs that are out there today. The fire is real. The signs are real. The Lord is leaving you and I signs. And just like the frog here, the frog does not realize he's being cooked alive. The Bible tells us that we will die in our sins. We will die in our sins if we don't realize that we need a Savior. Amen? We need a loving Savior that will forgive us of our sins. We can get the lights back on. Thank you, Brother Garland. Don't be a frog. Don't be a frog. Be a prince. Amen? Be a child of the king, but don't be a frog. Be a princess, but don't be a frog. Let's take that one off. Do we have another one? No, we don't. We can take that off. All right. How many enjoyed that? That was Brother Ed right there. Amen. 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 What The point of, of all that right there is that we can get so caught up in just living our regular day-to-day life and not pay attention to what's going on around us. Everybody that drove in today saw two cars that are parked right out here in our parking lot. Guess what? One of them wasn't paying attention and rear-ended the one in the front. That happened out here about 12 o'clock. When we got here at 12.15, they were pulled in here, and they're still, I don't know, are they gone? No, they're still there. Well, one of them wasn't paying attention. God wants you and I to pay attention, amen? Not only on the road, but on the things around us, amen? So there are signs, there are events happening all around us. It's up to you to have ears to hear and and a spirit to listen, to comprehend. And that's where you and I need to ask God for wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom to understand what does this mean. Amen? Everybody should be asking daily for wisdom. See, the Bible tells us when we see these signs, to look up to heaven. To look up to heaven. Look up to heaven. Why? Because your Redeemer draweth nigh is what the Bible says. Amen? It's time to start looking up to heaven. If you haven't been looking up to heaven, if you've just been tunnel vision, looking straight ahead, looking at your life every day, it's time for you to look up to heaven and declare, Jesus, I need you. I'm not ready. Help me to be ready. Amen. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28. Matthew chapter 21, talking about lifting up our heads. Jesus says, but when these things begin to take place, straighten up 
and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Did you capture those two, two thoughts there? Not only, he's saying when these signs are beginning to happen, but straighten up. He's not just talking about body posture. He's talking about straighten up. Straighten up your act. Straighten up your act. Because, and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. The Lord is telling us, He's going, come on, I'm the God of mercy. I'm the God of grace. I'm, I've given you chance after chance after chance, and I'm telling you right here, straighten up and look upwards. Look towards heaven because your redemption draweth near. So here's, here's the question. What are some of those things? What are some of those signs that the Lord Jesus just said when he said, when these things begin to take place? Essentially what he's saying, when you see these signs, take place, know that his coming is soon to take place. How many know that Jesus has his timetable? We, we all know that. We've prayed for things. We've all prayed for healing or we've prayed for a migraine to go away or, or for a new job or, or the end of a job, how to leave a job gracefully. And God has his timetable, amen? God will allow you and tell you exactly how to do these things, but he has his timetable, and in this process, these signs that we have, the first one he had was the regathering of the nation of Israel. That was the very first sign that our generation, so let me ask this question. How many were born in 1948 or earlier? Raise your hand. I, I know the answer already, so that's three of you here. All of us that came afterwards, we've read about this, but what I allude to is May 14th, 1948, is when Israel became a nation again. That generation saw that happen. That was one of the first signs that the Lord said needed to occur before his return. Up until that time, there was the thinking was, well, he's still a long ways off. Well, we're one step closer to his return for his church, for his people, when that happened. You see, the Lord had prophesied, that the nation of Israel, which had been scattered and dispersed since the destruction of Jerusalem, would eventually come back and become a nation all over again. And let me just tell you, never in the history of mankind has that ever happened. Never in the history has a nation been dispersed, decimated, wiped out, and come back to form a nation again, a sovereign nation. Let's have you turn to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. Ezekiel, chapter 37, and verse 21. I want to read one singular verse. And say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. This is the prophetic statement that the Lord was saying would occur, and it happened in 1948. This was written a couple, uh, 2,500 years ago, and yet it came to pass in 1948. God's timing, amen? Everybody say, God's timing. He has his timing. That was the very first sign that he gave the church that the Jewish nation would become a nation again. The second thing we see is church apostasy. What does that mean for some of you?
that may not be familiar with that word. Well, apostasy is the rejection of Christ by one who has been a believer, who, one who is a believer. Apostasy is a theological category describing those who have voluntarily and consciously abandoned their faith in the God of the covenant, the God who manifests himself completely in Jesus Christ. That is what church apostasy means. It's describing every backslider you know. How many have ever known somebody that's walked away from church and never come back? Probably most of you know somebody. Maybe you were that somebody. But the point is that we will see the, the church in this kind of state. And that's where we're at today. For the first time, the statistics, and I didn't bring those with me. Because I love numbers. I love to see statistics. And the numbers are that young people aren't going to church. Um, people as a whole, families, are dropping in church attendance. They're just not going to church. They're just not believers like they used to be in other generations. How many know that's true? And this is where the modern-day church is. How have we reached this crisis in our church? Well, I'll tell you, there, it's also rooted in our country in what's known as this German school of higher criticism. Let me just give you a little bit of, of background here. It invaded this country big time in the 1920s, 1930s. But according to this scientific approach of skeptics, the Bible is not the uh, revealed word of God. Rather, it is just man's search for God and therefore, it is filled with myth, with myth, legend, and superstition. How many have heard that before? We, we hear that from people that have never had a faith-filled experience or have never given their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. An atheist will tell you that. Um, and how many have ever dealt with atheists before? It's, it's not a pleasant experience because they have no faith to believe in, in what you and I believe in. <clears throat> Let's turn to 1 Timothy, and I want to read to you what some of these signs, how the signs are described here. 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, The Spirit clearly says that in the last times or in the last days, some will turn away from what we believe. They will obey spirits that tell lies, and they will follow the teachings of demons. Those teachings come through people who tell lies and trick others. These evil people cannot see what is right and what is wrong. It is like their conscience has been seared or destroyed with a hot iron. That's the generation that we're living in. You talk about young people, this describes a lot of young people right now in our country and in other countries, not just the United States. There are doctrines of demons. I'm talking about new age generation beliefs. Uh, there's so many religions now acceptable in our country, in our world. Uh, it, it, it's in the thousands. It's unbelievable what we can all fall prey to if we're not careful. And then the scripture goes on to declare in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 10, because of, of these signs, at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. 
You want to talk about division? We're seeing it in our country like never before. We're, I, don't, I don't ever get into politics here, but our government, our government, just, I'm at a loss for words. I don't have to say anything. Our government, our people, racism, division at all time levels of, of hatred. Where are we going? These are signs, church. These are all signs that we're in the last days. This is the church apostasy that was described. See these signs. They are a warning to you and I. They are the birth pains that you and I were going to see. But how many are thankful that the Lord is going to take us home one day? Amen? <clears throat> exactly. I have one more sign that I wanted to cover. Just a few years ago, there was an event that took place. It was in, uh, I believe it was, a, it was in 2017, December of 2017, that the United States moved their embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. How many remember that? And that's a big thing. Let me give you a little bit of background here. But in 1967, Israel captured East Jerusalem during the, the 1967 Six-Day War, the Middle East War. And they annexed the, dis, uh, dis, the, the disputed territory in 1980. But until December of 2017, no nation had recognized Israel's sovereignty over any part of the city of Jerusalem, which is holy to Jews, Christians, and Muslims. Let me repeat that again. Jerusalem is a holy site for Jews, Christians, and Muslims. The war that's going on right now, it's all about a piece of property. And it's a, it's a very small piece of property. You saw last week, I showed you on the map how big Israel is. Israel is about the same size as the state of Rhode Island. It's a tiny country. And in this tiny country, in the city of Jerusalem, where the golden dome of the rock exists today, is where the site of the holy temple was. The temple that Jesus worshipped at. The temple that was, has been built twice and will be rebuilt a third time. And I'm going to talk about that. In December 2017, the United States decided to move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv, Israel, to Jerusalem. This move directly recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, which was, which was blasphemy to the Muslims, to the Palestines, and to this day they're fighting over that. They're fighting over Jerusalem. It's not about Gaza, the West Bank. It's not about anything other than Jerusalem when you get down to it. The issue with this is that the Muslim people still lay claim to the city of Jerusalem. They do not recognize Jerusalem as strictly belonging to the Jewish people. It's real interesting when you do go to Jerusalem, there is the Jewish quarter, the Christian quarter, the uh, Armenian quarter, and the Muslim quarter. Uh, when I first thought there, I thought, well, it'd just be all Jewish people, right? Or Christians, but no, it's... It's controlled by these four people in the city of Jerusalem. Yet, that's why they're always fighting. Goes back to our Bible study this week about, about Ishmael, right? And Isaac, the sons 
of, of uh, Abraham and how they have warred from that day forward until now. That war is still going on. Let me share with you um, a scripture. But let, let me just say this. When Almighty God speaks, nothing we say, nothing we do can stop it. When Almighty God speaks. Second Chronicles chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Since the day I brought my people out of Egypt, I have not chosen a city in any tribe of Israel to have a temple built so that my name might be there. Nor have I chosen anyone to be ruler over my people Israel. But now I have chosen Jerusalem for my name to be there. And I have chosen David to rule my people Israel. This was a prophetic event declaration from the Lord declaring Jerusalem as his city, the holy city of Jerusalem, where his presence would dwell. Amen? And this is why it's important as we get to the third sign, which is the rebuilding of the temple, the Jewish temple. Right now, the Jewish people worship in synagogues. Um, church, they're equivalent of churches, what we have as churches. But the, the main point, what they want to do is revert back to what they had in the past, which is a temple where they can go worship Almighty God. Amen? Now, the temple is going to be rebuilt. What you have to understand, though, on that piece of property, that what's called the Temple Mount, sits one of the most holy Muslim sites, the Golden, golden Rock, the Golden Dome. It's a holy site to the Muslim faith. It's where they believe that their prophet Muhammad was raised up to heaven to receive instructions from Allah. That's what their faith, that's why they make it a holy site. For Christians and for Jewish people, it's known as Mount Moriah. Do you know what took place at Mount Moriah? It's where Abraham went to sacrifice his son Isaac. That's where we went, to the Temple Mount. That's where the temple will be rebuilt again. It's a holy site for the Jewish people. And the temple has to be rebuilt. In fact, there's an organization in Israel called the Temple Institute. And if you look behind me, this is, this is really a view from Mount Olives. If you look across, this is a zoomed-in view. But that is the mosque, um, the Golden Dome. That's a Muslim holy site. Right there on that spot is where the temple of the Jewish people was at. This is a fight over that piece of property. When we were there, we saw a riot break out. They had to escort us out to the side because there was a Jewish politician that once a year comes up because they want to have access to be able to say their prayers there. And Jewish people are forbidden from coming up here to pray. And at that time, this Jewish politician would come up once a year. And so when he came up there, we saw a commotion going on. And all of a sudden, we saw security guards that came out of nowhere with guns in their, in, behind their back here. They were pulling guns out. And our tour guide said, it's not become safe anymore. Let's walk over here. How many know that's always a good Listen to your tour guide when you're over there. So it was over. We were taken to another safe spot. But... That is a hotly contested area of Israel. The fight is over that piece of property. And the temple dwarfed this dome. It dwarfed it. This is a huge piece of a building. 
was built in 699 A.D. It's been standing there since then, 699 A.D. And uh, the temple, the Bible tells us, will be rebuilt. Now, we know that it's been built twice, and it's been destroyed twice, but Jesus says it will be rebuilt again. The, there, as I mentioned, there's a group called the, the Temple Institute whose sole responsibility is to have all the items necessary for temple worship. How many remember that there had to be laver of water, there had to be bowls, there had to be ceremonial uh, candlesticks, menorah, and the, the priest had to wear a holy ephod, a silver breastplate, and all these items that were used to worship Almighty God in the Old Testament. This temple institute already has those items ready to go. They've created them already. They're at their disposal ready to go. And so the only thing that's lacking is the temple, the temple to be rebuilt. Now, are we heading there right now with what's going on in the Middle East? I don't know, but it certainly looks like things can happen. Anything can happen, right? So I know I'm, I'm getting over here in my time, but as I, as I get ready to close, how do we know it's going to be rebuilt? How do we know that? Well, Pastor, that's, that's wishful thinking. How do you know it's going to be rebuilt? Well, Scripture declares it. In the last days, and I'm getting there, once the temple is rebuilt, there's going to be a character that the Bible defines as the Antichrist. It's a man, but this man is different because Satan himself will possess this man. Satan himself will rule through this man. And this man will enter the temple, enter into the Holy of Holies, which is the designated place for God's holy presence. And the Bible calls this the abomination of desolation, where then he sets himself and declares himself to be the Messiah, the Son of God. The scriptures tell us that. And I want you to turn with me. We'll have it on the screen for you. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We're there, church. We're there. We're, we're getting close to this point. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. See, that's prophetic, and it's going to happen. And it's going to happen because the temple is going to be rebuilt again. And when that temple is rebuilt, when you begin to hear that the temple is being rebuilt, know, know without a doubt that his coming is near. Now, personally, I don't believe we're going to see that. The, the Bible describes when that takes place that's going to be in the middle of the tribulation there's the rapture and then there's seven years of tribulation and i believe that when when satan himself as the antichrist steps into that holy of holies we will be long gone but even if we're not if we're still here know this that God still has, has his hands on you as his, as his people, as his chosen people. Amen? Amen. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? 
Are you prepared? Are you ready? Are you ready? If he were to come today, could you just say, Lord, I'm ready. Take me home to be with you. If there's something in your heart that holds back to confirm that statement, to say yes, if there's something in you that says, no, Lord, uh, I'm not there yet, but I'll get there one day. Well, today is the day. The Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Jesus wants you and I to be ready. Won't you stand with me as we close today? One more scripture, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 7. Jesus reminds me, reminds us of these very words. I want you to say these with me. Read it with me. And behold, I am coming quickly. Oh, coming quickly. He's coming quickly. He's coming in his time, but he's coming quickly. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Father in heaven, we give you thanks today. We thank you, Lord, that you care for us, that you love us, that you are a God of grace, a God of mercy. Just as he showed every one of these individuals in the Bible, mercy and grace, people like David. Lord, you showed him great grace. You showed him great mercy. And you've shown us your wonderful grace and your mercy. But I'm asking today, if there's anybody here, you want to make your life right. You want to just say, Lord, I give it all to you today. I haven't been truthful with you. I, I know I haven't been ready, but today I want to make it clear. I want to make it known that I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. I don't want to wait another day. If that's you, just raise your hand today. If that's you, just raise your hand. I see your hands. You can put your hands down. God sees your hands. That's the most important thing. We're going to pray right now. We're going to pray so that when that question is asked again, are you ready? You can look up to the Lord and say, yes, Lord, I am ready. We're going to pray a simple prayer of faith, a prayer of such with repentance and a prayer of faith that God will make you whole right where you sit right now. You see, it's not about what you got to do. It's about just what you got to believe. Lord Jesus said, believe on me and all the things that he says. Amen. So let's look to the Lord right now. And just, especially if you raise your hand, but I, want, I would like everybody to say this with me. It's always good to say a prayer of repentance. Just repeat these words with me. Mean them with your own heart. Father God, I come before you right now. I so need a Savior. I want to be ready. I want to be prepared. I ask you to forgive me right now for waiting this long. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongdoings. I receive you today as my Savior, my God. I believe you went to the cross for me. You died and rose again so that I would be set free from sin. 
Lord, I pray today, help me to be ready. And I receive your gift of salvation today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I know the hands that were raised, if you just look at me right now, those hands that were raised, I want you to walk with assuredness that the Lord heard your prayer, not mine, heard your prayer. All he wants is to hear your prayer spoken from your mouth. And as you declare that, he receives you. It's that simple. He's forgiven you. He's given you another chance today. So let me ask you again today, and the answer is yes in a really loud voice. Are you prepared? Let me ask you again. Are you prepared? Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you. We receive your blessings today. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. When we were unlovable, when we were not in our right mind, thank you, Lord, for forgiving us. Thank you for putting up with us, Lord. Oh, God, we love you, and we want to praise you and worship you every single day of our lives. As always, I pray the blessing over you today as we close. Just lift your hands one more time and receive this blessing, every single one here today. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon each of you and give you peace in Jesus' wonderful name.